0: From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles.
1: It's the Craig Needles Podcast, and it's the Friday Roundtable here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for downloading, listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that fun stuff. We are joined here in the studio for the Roundtable today by the City of London's Deputy Mayor, Sean Lewis, is here, as is former city councillor Roger Currancy, and A.J. Ray, a PhD candidate over at Western University. Uh, A.J., uh, Sean, and Roger, thank you for being here. Uh, glad, glad to see you. Uh, good afternoon.
0: Yeah. Thanks for uh, Happy us. New Year. I think this is my first roundtable of 2024. So yeah, same for me. Go. Good yeah. to Not see my, everybody. My
2: first, too, and happen to be here with people I really
0: like. Yeah, there we go. Wait, they they can't see you. Roll your eyes. It's also better to be here on a morning after a Leafs win. Uh, Roger and I tend to be less cheery if the outcome is different.
1: (laughs) Same. Uh, I will say this. Uh, They've been out west for quite a bit lately, and I've been working mornings in Classic Rock 98 once. I've been going to bed at like 8.30 p.m. and not seeing what happens in the games. Uh, I'm sad I missed last night, not sad I missed some of the other ones, put it that way.
2: It's always nice when Mr. Matthews scores some goals. For
1: yeah, him, so yeah, that. getting three in one night, not bad, 37 on the year. Uh, let's talk about what's going on at City Hall, and there's one big thing that's kind of going on today, and I'm glad that Sean is here for it, because, uh, Sean, my first question for you is, how much money do you think you should make? <laughs> oh, well, uh,
0: listen, uh, I will tell you, You know, and I heard Roger say this earlier in the week elsewhere, um, you don't do it for the pay. You still have to get paid because it is still a job. Um, The equivalent of this job of being a ward councillor and a deputy mayor, if you went out to the private sector, would be double what I'm getting paid after the potential uh, pay increase stipend that the mayor has proposed, just to be competitive to attract good people. So it's not about doing it just for the pay. Uh, You know, we we underpay our entire council uh, significantly, even in comparison to other municipalities. Uh, And at the end of the day, in a city of half a million people with all the opportunities and all the challenges that we have, uh, this needs to be uh, recognized that not all councillors' workloads are equal. Budget chair, deputy mayor, I would say committee chairs... Uh, Some of the top-tier boards and commissions, the police board, the health unit, the the transit commission, and the the housing board, um, those are some pretty heavy lifting and and really key elements to how our city operates. Uh, I think that there's some really uneven workloads, and I think that what the mayor is suggesting by uh, starting to adjust some compensations based on the work rather than the individual makes some sense to me. I, I think that's what you see in the private sector, too, is pay for performance pay for the job you're asked to do Uh, so uh, let me tell you that extra six hundred and seventy five dollars a month that's being proposed before taxes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so take away another 35% of that um, you know it's not that much Um, will it make a little bit of a difference at home sure Uh, but like everybody else I've got to pay the mortgage put food on the table I will say, uh, you know, without talking too much uh, about personal circumstances for other counselors, but I know that uh, the budget chair and I both are single income households with uh, teenagers at home who eat a lot of food. Yeah. So our grocery bill isn't going down either. Um, so I do appreciate, I think this is a step in the right direction, but it's a first step.
1: Roger, you've obviously done the job, but not deputy mayor, but you've been on, on council and you sort of see that the uneven workloads is definitely a thing. Sometimes uneven workloads is uh, is by design of people on the low end of the workload. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, 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 it's part of it. So what, what do you think of how this has all gone down?
2: Uh, I'm first going to say this, and not because he's standing beside me, but um, I said it on uh, in another interview earlier this week that I don't think there's a better person that deserves a, um, a pay increase than uh, Councillor Lewis. I know he does good work. Um, I know he does it uh, unselfishly. And um, the time he puts into it, I haven't seen a lot of people do that. So uh, kudos to him for doing what he does and for the whole city, I think we're lucky to have somebody uh, like him uh, doing that. And Sean, I expect the check in the mail for that. <laughs> um, having said that, you know, many years ago, um, a, 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 an outsider who now sits on city council thought it would be a good thing to get rid of a very, uh, I think, very valuable board uh, called the um, uh, Board of Control, which had uh, the deputy mayor, uh, was on the board, of, would, would come from the Board of Control, and, uh, who would be the automatic budget chief. What they did was they wanted to make everything equitable by getting rid of Board of Control and what has happened now, we see that your job, Sean, has become, uh, 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 there's a lot more to it than what, uh, coming from a yeah. member, being well, a member of council.
0: I think it's important, Roger, to, to, to clarify. The Board of Control members, they were elected citywide. Citywide, exactly. And yeah. they did not have to represent a ward. At the same time as doing the controller duties, yep. you represented a ward, yep. uh, and you know um, uh, former mayor and former controller Gosnell represented the city, a- yep. and his role was different from yours as a ward counselor. Exactly. Now the two roles have been jammed together. Yep. In one. And
2: so, and, and so, was it right to get rid of board of control because of that? I think this. I think things are starting to manifest themselves now. Um, maybe a little bit more than before because of the fact the city is getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot more responsibilities, I think, that council deals with today than maybe we did when, when we were on there. But I think it shows the, the, um, the decision that should not have been made to get rid of a board of control because what it did was put people in a position where they had their job that they had to do. There was a, a, a larger pay that they were paid more and uh, if you would have continued that, I think things would have been fine. You probably would have been paid what, what you were worth and what you're doing. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it back to that. There was a decision made to get rid of border control that wasn't explained to people properly. Uh, and I think people did it just for the fact that they thought uh, those members on council Did not have uh, any power to do uh, things that they do, and we see now you have you have to do what you're doing, Uh, and and I think um, the the compensation goes with. It's not about the person, it's about the position, and the position is. the, the per, you're, you're responsible for those things, and you should be paid accordingly.
1: I will say this: uh, I was at the time uh, in favor of the removal of border control. I'm like, okay, a lot of the municipalities don't have this. We can do this with just a regular council. Uh, there are some things that I, I missed there, and and I am more than willing to say I was I was incorrect about that particular take.
2: Is that the same as wrong?
1: Uh, I was I was not <laughs> accurate. <laughs> okay, we'll take that. <laughs> uh, EJ, this the way this has been rolled out some councillors have said hey i don't necessarily like uh I, I think ad hoc was used uh at the meeting how do you feel about the way the conversation is uh, ha- has shook down here
3: at, i first off ad hoc is a very strange word to use when this increase is based on the position not the mm-hmm. person we're not just handing the ward to councillor a pay raise it is related to the duties of deputy mayor which is in council policy and is a process in which the mayor makes an appointment on council and which have changed even since this council was elected because of strong mayor powers exactly um but i'm actually going to pull this conversation up a bit more into an academic lens of london is in the top 20 metros in canada by population
0: it's an actually an incredible. Are, are we group. like eleventh or something? I Is think it? it's eleventh yeah, yeah. or yeah. 12th. yeah we, we we get into tenth and then we yeah. slip back to eleventh and then we get back into tenth. Yeah. we're it depends often trading places of, with yeah.
3: uh, you know places like Saskatoon and Halifax. and sure. So, really, from my perspective, though, if you're in that group, forget just having a full time mayor. You should have a full time council. Because you need to be recruiting people who are going to take the job seriously and are going to devote their full time to it. And unfortunately, sometimes what these part time relationships are, and I'm not alleging anything with the current council, but those part time relationships create a lot more conflicts of interest. I'll note there's been past councils in which there are routinely counselors that had to declare conflicts on any planning act decision because they had an interest in relation to their normal day-to-day duties. Mm. Now, if we had full-time counselors, that, wouldn't that relationship wouldn't be there, and everyone could be making a decision and providing expectation an that This is your only yeah. job.
0: Exactly. Well, you, you don't have to look any further than our current mayor, yes. who in the bus rapid transit debate, probably one of the biggest debates in the last decade in this city, had to declare a conflict of interest on a route because his employer was going to directly benefit yep. Western University. So was did going to directly benefit. So to the former from the deputy mayor, Jesse Helmer. He had to yep. declare
1: a conflict on that same vote.
3: Exactly. Yep. And so those are the situations which I think a full time council resolves. Now, the other thing too with London that's unique is that counselor pay is set by a formula that makes sense. And so to me, if we were to make full time counselors, we keep the same formula and we update it to what a full time job would be. And there you go. There's no salary debate of what those full-time counselors should be paid. We keep the uplifts that is associated with the deputy mayor. But to go back to the board of control, the other thing that I'm going to toss out here, because I moved to London after the board of control was gone. um, For me, Volkswagen is going to cause a real problem in this city. We don't control any of the planning around that. It's down in St. Thomas. We are in a very fractured region in which we have Elgin County, the city of St. Thomas, Middlesex County, and then the city of London. And the other thing there that I think really we should be having a serious discussion about a regional border of control is that London is the fastest growing metro right now in Canada. It's just behind two other metros in Florida, and then Kitchener is right behind us. We have already blown through our 2035 population targets in the London plan. Yes. There are a lot of big moves that are going to have to be made in this city. And unfortunately, I don't think the governance mechanisms, mechanisms that we have at council are set up in the right way to actually have a proper regional conversation around things like transit, waste management, water, um, even things as basic as housing, which uh, we all know have as its own problems that we're dealing with internally, but I think are only going to be amplified when we start adding the thousands of workers that are coming into Volkswagen that are going to have the salaries that will, frankly, outbid a lot of people that are currently in London. They'll live in St. Exactly, they want that bigger yeah. city lifestyle. Yeah. They did, won't did want say, what's on he, offer did you in St. say London Thomas. plan was flawed? London plan might be flawed.
2: You know what? I'm going to say it is. I'm going to say it is from day one. I, one thing I do want to It's absolutely one,
0: obsolete. I, I, I yes. need to It is obsolete.
2: Is the fact water, the water boards yeah. that are there do have representation from municipalities from Lake Huron right through the lake uh, to Elgin. There's the Huron water board and yeah. the Elgin water board. I know I chaired one of them and I forget which one it was, but um, having said that, it, what you say is bang on um the the london plan is totally obsolete right now uh we haven't done things with, that uh, that we should be doing and, and i say this to you we london at a point i know when i was on council we kept looking back to going members of council wanted to go back to the horse and buggy days
0: okay and and i'll tell you some right members now, of our council may still want to do that that's
2: yeah what what happened and 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 what we did we found ourselves in a position where we, I mean we lose we lost out on Volkswagen because we weren't we, we don't have and we haven't had the economic development as other municipalities. I will say like there that.
0: is an industrial land strategy business case in the budget. So well, you write uh, your and, counselors and, and encourage you know them to support what? I, that, I Roger, hope so if you think that's a priority. They said
2: they, they they've said that for every job created in a plant like that, there's seven that are created elsewhere. And there's going to be a lot of supplier plants that are that are going to come to the region and I would hope that London would get its fair share of those Well, two, So
0: I think it's important to pick up on what AJ <laughs> said. There's a couple of, of metros in Florida ahead of us. But yeah. the London metropolitan area is one of the ten fastest growing on the whole continent. Yeah not just in Canada, but in the U.S. as well. So think about that when you think about the complexities and the challenges of the, the job today. You know, Roger, you were talking about uh, the Volkswagen plant and, and, AJ, you were talking about more regional planning. You know, I, I have to give Mayor Morgan credit. There's good conversation going on between him and Mayor Preston about some sort of daily transit service between Toronto and London. London can't do that by itself. No. St. Thomas has to be a partner. Um, But there's a growing need as these industries fill in along Wellington Road and along Highbury Ave between our two communities, people from both cities are going to want to work in those. And we don't want to have to have, you know, widening Highbury and Wellington to eight lanes to accommodate the beginning and end of shift traffic. We want people to be able to see transit as an option to take those jobs. We want people who don't have access to a car to be able to take those jobs, those good paying jobs that provide for homes and provide for an opportunity to raise a family here. But it really comes back to, I I said this earlier, um, and AJ, you referenced the formula, and I agree with you. I think having a set formula is a good idea. I think where we've been flawed in the past is that we've set it at a median point. And this is not a median job mm. uh, it has never been a median job and it is increasingly not a median job so i really do think that we need to take a look at the uh the percentile at which we're, we're pegging this to the average income of londoners because the 50 percent mark is is not where to put it this is not an average job the average person does not have to work uh, seven days of the week uh, mornings afternoons evenings and they're not typically responsible for the well-being of almost half a million people and 100 different programs and services. Those are typically executives who hold those positions, and they typically are a much higher than average income. So I do think we have to look at that, and that's something I alluded to earlier where this conversation isn't over. These are stipends that the mayor is proposing because of direct duties he's assigning through strong mayor powers, but it's a good way to continue the conversation through governance working group after the budget in terms of how these move forward. The one thing I will say, and I saw a a former member of council criticizing uh, that council's not listening to the council compensation task force. Well, I mean, we could kick this down the road and, and have another task force that goes out for two years and does nothing and then brings back a report that says, well, this is what you should do. And then council will get cold feet because it's three months before the election. Uh, which we've seen that song and dance in this city before.
1: Yeah, these decisions to uh, me have to be made yeah. early in the term, and I think like we're we're, we're like year one point two
0: five essentially. Yeah. We're we're yeah. a quarter of the way into the second. But year. But I'd be interested in, in in what Roger and AJ think because to me, uh, I think the council compensation task force next time has to first be given a preliminary set of of ideas from the governance working group from the people who actually do the job. What, how many hours are we working? How many extra duties beyond being a ward counselor are we taking on? What do those look like? But I also think it can't be made up of retired lawyers and HR professionals, and no disrespect to folks, but people with lived experience, people like Roger, should be... Providing us some insight onto what our preliminary recommendations are. People I'm fine with
2: Roger. Don't send Cheryl.
1: <laughs>
0: Can't have both you know, of them no, on the same let body. Let me, uh, Not both of them at <laughs> once. Yeah. Mike. Let me just say
2: something to that. I, I know that when I was on council, there would be a um, there was a formula. Uh, I mm-hmm. forget exactly what it was, but every year uh, council would have to vote on it. And and you know what? That's the that's one of the issues is that people look at us say, "Well, you guys vote on it, so what are you going to vote?" And it, it is what it is, if anything, it's more transparent than anything else because you're voting on your own salary. And, and what ends up happening, because councillors get scared, they don't support it, and then what happens, then you're caught way behind when you're 10 yep. years out. It's like the province right now where, uh, you know, I think uh, MPPs are making 118,000 or 115,000, I forget the, total, the number, and if they look they're way behind, I think, where Compared to federally, be to, yeah, they're, yeah, they're certainly way, behind, way behind. Including also the pension. And what ha- what's going to happen yeah. is going to, there's going to be a, a pay raise, and it's going to be huge. And people are going to look at that and say, how, so it's harder to take when you do the huge pay uh, thing. And, and one thing I will say, too, no matter if you do it today when the economy is the way it is, or no matter you do it uh, when the economy is fantastic, people are
0: we'll not going to lose their
2: minds. To yeah. Do yeah. It. yeah, So you've got to be tough. Well,
1: look at Queen's Park. They haven't. Like, MPPs haven't got raises since 2008. Yeah, to, yeah. It's what 16 years. Yeah.
2: Ago. Uh, so.
1: And like, look, MPPs are still making six-figure salaries. They're yep. doing okay. But it just shows that politically, this stuff gets really toxic, no matter which level of government yep. you're at.
3: Yeah. The the other conversation that I think we need to be having about this is the staff support that goes to counselors as well, because it's one thing to talk about pay, but it's also Another thing to talk about what is the support a councilor is actually getting day to day from the municipal administration to do their job. And if there's councilors who aren't getting that support, I don't know what the current situation
0: looks like for you. So but there was a role in the councilor's office that I didn't even know existed when I was elected. It's actually been vacant for five years. and only through the work of governance working group last year did we actually all of us learn because not a single member of council even knew that there was a vacant position in the council's office because it had been vacant for three full terms of council. Huh. Um, <laughs> and we finally said, fill that position. Yeah. We need more bodies in, in this office. We need people who can help us get things ready to submit to the clerk. We need people who can answer the phones. We, can, we need people who can do that. Um, we were at a ratio of one admin assistant to every four members of council. So we had a quarter of an admin assistant helping I us. Remember when we were I know one Roger, for, one when he 19. was there, had one. Mm-hmm. Now, you had Vilia, so, so that you was had yep. somebody who had superhuman abilities yep. at being an administrative assistant. Um, but I would say that my uh, admin assistant today has some pretty superhuman abilities too. Um, we're finally at the point where she supports two of us. Yep. Now, she supports the two people with the heaviest workloads, she supports the budget chair and the deputy mayor. Uh, and that was part of the mayor's request to have a single point of contact through the admins to coordinate schedules and, and duties between Councillor Pelosa, myself, and, and his office. But um, that level of support—I mean, you look around; there are city councils where every councillor has three full-time employees of their own. Yeah, yeah, and and this is and make six figures.
3: <laughs> the province right now is going through all these regional governance reviews across all the existing regional municipalities. And what's really fascinating is the one last night that they did in Waterloo Region, this conversation came up about council compensation because if you were to you know, amalgamate all of Waterloo Region and scale up those councillors, well, that's a lot higher workload than having regional councillors and local councillors who are both part-time. But then on top of that, you also have all the staff infrastructure that you need to think about. Mm-hmm. But I, what I'm disappointed by is that I really think the province, when they announced those regional governance reviews, should have included southwestern Ontario, where there aren't regional governments, and said, what can we do to support our local municipalities in resolving what really does need provincial intervention to make work at the end of the day? And I think if we're serious about having serious people in office, going back to Roger's point, we do need to be doing the council pay review as part of the four-year budget cycle at the start of council Mm -hmm. my view of it is that compensation review should be packaged in with the budget vote because it's just another line item on the budget and then that way it kind of depoliticizes it because we're often in this situation where the compensation review is three months out before re-election and unfortunately given how disengaged people are in municipal politics the only people that really care are the people
0: that are going to be voting I by know. the way, on top of all this, we also have a ward boundary review that has yes. to be done because the ward populations are getting, well, we've already hit our 2035 target. Yeah. So the, you know, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're again, we're London plan, ward boundary review,
3: wise. compensation, a lot of things that got to be done. Well, you know year. how
0: the ward boundary review or sorry, the, the, um, London plan obsolete, uh, is really highlighted is when you have the, the, the person who was the key author, the, the city mm. planner who put his name to it, <laughs> uh, then comes to uh planning committee last year and says, yes, I know that 53-story tower at the Forks of the Thames uh, is not consistent with the London plan, uh, but I think you should do it anyway because it is the right thing to do for downtown. It was basically the feedback was overrule my plan and approve this. Yeah. Um, and this is the fellow who wrote the plan. Yeah. So I think that speaks to, again, the tremendous amount of work that's ahead of this council because we're so far behind. And, and part of that is the speed of growth. And we don't have the time to do two-year reviews on things because in two years we're going to be even further behind I, you know
2: what i want to say one thing this is a little anecdote from what happened on council because i want to say we're, we're again we're lucky that you're as open as you are about getting counselors raises there used to be a counselor that we know all very well i think we can't say his name here because of issues with craig <laughs> and uh, sean thank you for oh, beating sorry. him in the was last there, was election. There, was there a legal but thing the, that I about? that member okay, yeah. of council used to come to me every year because at one point we were partners in the ward that we both represent he used to come to me as a newbie he'd say hey you got to go to council and you got you've got to uh, uh to say that counselors have to get a raise and I thought to myself, well, hang on a sec. You've been here longer than I have. Why can't you do it? He goes, well, I've been here longer than you have, and you should do it. And he was just scared to do it, and he didn't want the the, 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 the blowback from doing something like that. So, again, you, you see that being a transparent counselor, what it is, it's standing right beside me here, being on the, the, the open airwaves and telling the people on the – this is required and, and putting together a pretty good argument as to why it should be.
1: I will say this, Roger, you should have got the guy a raise because he owes $90,000 in legal settlement. <laughs> 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 Maybe he needs uh, the cash. I got to <laughs> say though, I, I, I want to share this.
0: I, I, I walked in just before we started today. Uh, Cause I walk over from city hall um, and I was stopped on the sidewalk by a woman. Don't know her from Jane Doe, right? Never yeah. met her before stopped and says to me, listen, you're the deputy mayor, right? I saw the news this week. You deserve every penny of that raise. I see you in the news all the time. I I read your Facebook page. I know the kind of work you're doing. Most people don't realize how hard you guys work. You and the budget chair deserve that raise. Um, She said, don't let people tell you differently. And I've gotten a number of of those sorts of interactions from people this week who are saying, we get it. This isn't a small town anymore. We want you guys to fix the, the housing and homelessness issue, but we know you can't do it if you got to work another job at the same time yes. just to keep the roof over your head. So we think you're worth the money that that we're paying for you and then some. So it is encouraging to have some of that public feedback saying, yeah, we get it. Like, the status quo isn't going to cut it anymore.
1: Uh, last question on this, Sean, then we'll uh, go on the next thing. Uh, Council Frank said at the meeting, what about sending this back to governance working group? And playing with it, there figuring it out, and then he, potentially even doing retroactive raises once we figure out what the what what the number should be. Did, did that scenario make sense to you, or is that was that a consideration for you? You chair governance yep. working group, to be clear, but uh, is that something that you would would have been willing to consider rather?
0: Well, and chairing governance working group is now officially part of the deputy mayor's duties uh, because of the strong mayor change. So I don't have a choice whether I want to chair it or not. I can't step back and say not my job anymore. Um, but no, I don't, and, and the reason I say that is because uh, I've, I've been a member of the governance working group for the entire five years that I've been at City Hall, mm-hmm. and I see how long things take. And I think it's very un, unrealistic and, and, frankly, unreasonable to say, particularly given the cycle that's coming up in February to Budget Chief Pelosa, uh but to myself as well, um, do the work now, and,
1: then we'll, and we'll, see we'll think what about later. giving you yeah.
0: something for it down the road. Um, but no guarantees. We might end up deciding nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, We might end up deciding we're not going to start doing this for these positions until the next council in 2026. I I think it's really, really unfair, and and nobody would do this in the private sector. Nobody would do this to a family member. Do the work now, and I'll think about paying you later. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And Councilor Frank wanted to loop all of this in with committee chairs yeah. and with boards and commissions and with the general counsel salary and
1: all those things need to be reviewed they to be all clearer. do yes. but
0: you know one of the reasons we we haven't made progress on this issue the way we need to is we get paralyzed by how many things have to be addressed and i said this in the committee meeting uh and i mean it and i'll say it again the way you eat an elephant is one bite at a time don't try and do everything as one giant omnibus bill i i remember some round tables where we used to rail against omnibus bills, and for good reason. um, (laughs) So don't try and make it an omnibus change. Deal with this piece, and then the next piece, and then the next piece. You know, I've said to councillors directly, um, I absolutely plan on dealing with committee chairs uh, at the March Governance Working Group, because I think that's the next obvious one to say, these people have to meet with the senior leadership team before the meetings, they have to help other councillors with the process of getting motions on the agenda, making amendments, all of those things. Do not chairs get
2: paid more right now? No. Oh, see, no, no, that no. was taken away. Because that was I know taken when away I was as well. On the council, we did. Yeah. We, you know, there was, was this idea that everybody's equal. everybody's equal. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: yeah. everybody's vote is equal at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, you can, yes. you can talk. But everybody's people. workload is not equal, and you so can talk
2: to yeah. Councilor Trosso about that. He started <laughs> that when he got rid of board control.
0: So we can, uh, you know, we can go back and forth on this. I don't know where it will land uh, ultimately, but I also know that the mayor's motion also made this particular pay rate temporary. It's going to governance for a review anyway but it is, we're paying them for the work we're doing now and you can change what that might look like through a governance working group review Um, you might raise it, you might lower it you you can decide what you want to do with that later but we're going to start compensating them now for the work that I'm about to ask them to start doing. So I think that you can have your cake and eat it too Uh, I think the governance working group can review this come back with some adjustments to it but address the workload imbalances starting now and and let's just keep working away at these in bits and pieces because ultimately we do need to start moving this council to a full-time focused yes there are people who are able to work another job that's great when you have the flexibility to control your own hours when you can set your own schedule in your other job you know when you're uh, you're employed uh, in a position where your boss is happy to have a city councillor on on the, the workforce and says, yeah, you can take time off to go to those meetings whenever you want, when you've got uh, a schedule that you can set because you are going to decide how many clients you're going to take on in your law firm or how many courses you're going to teach at Fanshawe or how many, like, like you can do those things. And it's great that people have that flexibility, but that's not the flexibility that most people have most people have a boss to report to and a set schedule to, to report to think about the shift worker if we ever want somebody from a, a, a blue collar union background to have Can a you voice on council
3: who works at the Amazon DC try and join council especially with the fact there's not even a bus to get yeah.
0: down to the DC you couldn't you would have to quit your job <laughs> yeah. at Amazon yeah. to take the job at council and so you have which to consider that which are the types of that. voices we need on this
3: council that's the other thing is there's a certain type of person right now that's on council barring you know, yourself here, Sean, but there are a f- certain type of person that gets on council See, right I, now I, in this city.
2: Again, and I, I've had this, you know, you and I have had this sparring competition for years on full-time, part-time council members. And I did talk to you recently and I said, Sean, I'm done with it. Um, uh, whatever happens, happens. But I will say this. Um, I don't know what full-time means. Yeah. Because when I was on council, I had my 40-hour-a-week job. I also did my council job, and I would put in 40 hours a week sometimes at the council job too. I, I didn't mind it. I enjoyed doing what I had to do. So it would depend. is it, it, Are you going to set times and say you only work between these two times? Because you know you can't do that if you're a city councillor, right? So I don't know what full-time means. I don't think I'll ever understand what full-time means when it comes to that, because there will be council members you know that will only put 20 hours in a week. Right, and, and then th- then they get judged by their by their. But uh, I think how you constituents. One so. of
0: the ways that you can do it, though, Roger, uh, is and, and we've taken the first step already. We've moved to daytime meetings. Yeah. We've also, uh, through governance working group changes that were made last year, said you must be available and rank your committee preferences for all four standing committees. Yeah. You can't just pick one because it fits your schedule best. You have to rank all four. Um, there is a discussion at governance that that has started. It's it's going to take a while to get there, but. Uh, the requirement for a counselor to have to put their name forward for a minimum number of boards and commissions, not just say yeah i'll do you know I'll do this one that meets once a quarter right yeah. and I'll let my colleagues carry all the ones that meet for seven hours uh monthly uh, every month. There was a um, council
2: member, I remember who was uh, what ward do you represent? Ward two. 2, I think he used yeah. to represent Ward 2. He would only take the ones that paid him. Anyways, that's an
3: yeah. aside.
1: Well, yeah. he, he, again, he owes $90,000 He needed that. <laughs> how, how I view this is very much,
3: it's not about the hours of work that you put in, because Roger's exactly yeah. right. The voters are going to hold them accountable at the ballot box if they're putting in the work or not putting in the work. For me, it's a conversation that needs to be about pay, and that's what I'm talking about, is that when we talk about full-time, it's are we compensating people in which they can replace existing employment with that council salary, to be able to then put in the work if they so choose, yep. because at the end of the day, if someone wants to be ineffective and only show up for twenty hours a week, yeah, well, counselors, other counselors are going to hold that person to account regularly, and the voters damn well at the time that the vote comes around and, again.
0: And council can't tell another councilor y- yeah. you must have these office hours, yeah. right? You must work forty hours a week in the in the. City Hall offices or or anything like that, we can't tell them you must go to this many events during the week or you must hold this many town halls or whatever, but what we can govern ourselves on is you must sit on certain numbers of committees, you must be available to serve on certain numbers of boards, you must be available during these hours because that's when standing committee meetings are going to happen. So we can influence uh, towards a full-time focus, but we can't order it, you're right, ultimately the voters come election day have to decide whether the person who represent them is worth the money that they're getting paid. Yeah.
2: See, And, and I just want to say m- the reasoning that I always had, that I always put forward, uh, that I didn't think it should be considered full-time, even though you put in the full-time hours, is the fact that I liked the opportunity that I used to walk into the, the plant that I worked in, and there were 75 people there, average Londoners, who oh. if there was an issue, they would come to me and tell oh. me. I didn't want the opportunity that I always sat up in the, the you know, the ivory tower at City Hall, yeah. sit in there in the bubble and hear only what's going on within those internal walls. I like the fact I'm yeah. out there. And I, so that was I, my I, argument. And
1: I know what, it was a good argument. I just think that the city has changed since then. You know it, it, it's changed but that that
2: argument really yeah. can't change because you still hear from
1: no people. come
0: for breakfast with me at the Malibu <laughs> sometime and see how many people <laughs> I, feel they can just walk up and <laughs> yeah, have a conversation Sean, and it I still welcome that. when I when I go grocery yeah. shopping people
2: come up to me and say hey can you do this I'm it, not you on know a yeah. Timmy's in your hand Lewis, at the I arena
0: say. on a Saturday morning <laughs> or breakfast yep. at the Malibu yep. on a Sunday or sitting across the road which I'm known to do a couple times a month at East Lions Community yep. Center just take my laptop over sit by the fireplace and if anybody wants to come over and chat with me they can
2: just put a really bad schedule scowl on they won't approach yeah, it. i know yeah. I've,
1: I've done it before <laughs> I, I just think that like your, your argument still holds wild as far as the value of that i just think that the city has changed enough that can we have people who don't do it full-time running it as far as the size of the city the scope of the problem well those lines. And, I, and
3: reasonable people could disagree on that but i mean i think the question then becomes do you double the number of counselors because uh, sorry you, we still have the same number of counselors we had when we no, were no, I, I don't we think. have less than we have less if you factor in board control I, I think that would
2: be
0: <laughs> the wrong way to I, go I exactly. agree yeah. um I also think that you know I hear what you're saying Roger but I think on the flip side you would agree you also see see the value and you know you and I did this um in 2023 uh you know you had to call me uh one afternoon and, and say you know there's a problem and shovels might not in the get in the ground at the old South Street Hospital Vision Soho project. Can you meet with the partners in this project tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.? Yep. And I dropped what I had in my schedule to meet with them at 9 a.m. the next morning to help get that red tape and, and that barrier that was going to hold up. We wouldn't have shovels in the ground right now had Roger not called mm-hmm. me and said, we need to fix this. Yeah. And so we and both dropped. And that's a very important project, yep. and I'm glad. And that, that's yep. a perfect example of why you need to have a deputy mayor who's properly
3: compensated and can do that and have a schedule that allows for them to save what is a critical infrastructure project for this city, right, let's let's get to a couple of the stories. Roy, wrap up. We don't have a ton of time now. I spent thirty-five minutes on that first one, but it was a good conversation. We're passionate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So
1: Ontario Ombudsman back in uh, London, the office at the very least, looking into a closed meeting complaint. I thought this was a ticky-tack one, but like sloppy by those involved, and and like. Is it a big deal that three counselors went to the unity project and took a look around? No. Should they have talked about that at the meeting subsequently afterwards and the committee they were on? Also no. Uh, so that was counselors Stevenson, Rahman, and, and, and Pribble. Sean, you saw the report, obviously it gets sent to you. What did you think of it?
0: Um, I mean, I thought for the ombudsman, this was probably the easiest file they've had to deal with all year. Cause this was a slam dunk uh, example of a violation. Two counselors can go, together and and visit a site and get background information as often as they want Uh, three counselors who do not constitute a quorum of a committee can go and do that the problem is when you're the majority of a committee that is about to vote two hours later on a six hundred thousand dollar plus funding agreement and you go and then you talk in the committee about all the wonderful things you saw uh, together two hours ago on site um, it, what deliberate or not, rookie mistake or not, it makes it look like the vote was decided at two o'clock in the afternoon rather than at four o'clock when the committee meeting started. Um, and it may not, the site visit may not have changed anybody's opinion. They may have all been gung ho to vote for this in the first place. I went to that committee. I spoke in favor of the project too, um, and and Chuck Lazenby at the Unity Project uh, will be happy to tell you her and I don't always agree on everything but I think she does great work over there Um, and so I was going to support this regardless but it's you know it matters that you follow the rules on these things Um, we may not like them you know federal caucuses 150 MPs can meet and decide how they're going to vote on something ahead of time Uh, but at the municipal level we cannot and so we've got to follow those rules
3: I I think the open meeting provisions are incredibly important because you do need to know what information and who's been talking to who when you are in such a transparent and public role that is so close to local decision making and also can have outsized influence on the people that you meet with. For example, this this was to authorize support for that Unity project. Unity was benefiting from it, and I'm not alleging that there was any impropriety in that. I think actually they've been fully transparent about what they did, and that's why it made it so easy for the ombudsman. But really, I think the proper way that this should have been handled was Unity project should have been invited to give a delegation to that committee with the same background information. They could have had some nice photographs, maybe even a video walkthrough of the site. And then counselors could have decided at their own behest and their own schedule to go do those individual visits. But the problem is when you do that all together, you bring that together. And then on top of that, you don't disclose on a daily basis. One thing I'd love to see brought back, and it used to be a thing for a lot of elected positions, is a daily agenda readout that was published every day of here's the counselor's schedule of where they're going to be, who they're talking to, and you had an upfront diary of what was going on that counselor's day. We've lost that. And so I think really at this case, it's an open and shut rookie mistakes, I think, on the part of these councillors, but important to, you know, atone for those mistakes at the end of the day.
0: I'll, I'll tell you though, the, the again, we come back to the size and the complexity and, and the challenges of the city. Um, my agenda has changed three times for today since nine o'clock last night. Like, it, it's one thing to say, put it out there, but at the same time, um, my calendar in, in my on my phone doesn't even reflect what I'm actually doing today because it's changed multiple times. So mm-hmm. it's it's really hard these days to, you know, it, it's not like it was where everything never changed, right? Now people can change with a quick phone call. Yeah. They don't even have to be in their office because their phones all go around with them. So it's it's really hard now to even keep my own calendar up to date. With my halftime assistant, um, <laughs> so quarter you, time. Do you, you want the old oh, grumpy half-time.
2: man's take on this? I do, yeah, Roger. Absolutely. I think it's silly. Mm-hmm. I think it's old. Uh, I, I, I would rather have my member of council make an informed decision. And if it just so happened that three of them happen to be there at the same time, I think it reflects well on them to get information.
1: I don't disagree with that. I, to, to me, the only thing that I think that if I were them, I'd want to have back is openly discussing the fact that the three of them were there in the it, meeting it, after it, it I, I get that, but do you want them to lie? No, I just say don't mention it. Just make your vote well, well, and and, move there, along. and there you go. Yeah. They're,
2: they're trying to be transparent and yeah. say we went there at the same time. And, you know, Chuck, who has yeah. been doing that work for well over 20 years, um, does she have the time to bring 15 members of council no. there at, at – you know, at 15 different
0: it. times no
1: yeah. she no. doesn't and like i said so it's ticky-tack and like all things being equal do i care about this Not no what, what no no
3: again i i don't view this yeah. as a so negative i completely agree with you yeah was, so what but was rules the intention are rules
2: of those council yeah. members it was to help make the community better and <laughs> right. for them to see what was going on they're fine the open the open meetings act if you remember
1: Hey, I remember this being a thing where a couple of councils. Do you ago, remember? No?
2: Yeah. Uh, we went to, went to the Supreme Court of Canada.
1: I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's the famous one with the Billy T's, but you were involved no, 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 in no. one. The, 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 big, the one you're involved
2: in. The big though. one was yeah. where council made a decision in camera. Yeah. They, they did not inform they were going in camera to make this decision, and they discussed something that should not have been discussed in camera. Uh, myself and Controller Polhill at the time brought that out in the open. Said we did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so it changed things for, for municipalities across this country yep. once it went to the Supreme Court. So the city was doing things they shouldn't have done. Having said that, this, I don't, to me, does not seem like a, uh, something that should have been th- – th- yeah. th- that's a big issue. And, and the, the,
1: it, it, it won't be a big issue from this perspective. Like, what, what really So is why that? waste the time? Well, and there yeah. Why
2: waste the time?
3: I mean, maybe maybe there does need to be an amendment made to the Open Meetings Act that if something does like this occur – as soon as you report it, well, it's no harm, no foul. We're now all aware that perhaps a quorum was constituted. And then people can make their own judgment on, based on that information if, you know, council business was truly advanced in a setting like that. The other thing I will raise is let's just shift the context slightly. What if this wasn't Unity Project, but let's say a local developer that had a project that they'd like to get approved well, at a planning and environment People would committee. feel people very would differently about it. would lose their minds over exactly. that. Exactly. So I think it's also very contextual about what the Open Meeting Act is meant to protect against. And so, yes, it violated the rules, but the substance of it, I think, yeah. is meaningless.
1: Because, yeah, the, like, okay, $600,000 goes to a unique project. Most people in the city are not going to... It's always the developer that.
3: that's that's made out to be the devil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
3: i always been Well, Hey, just, hey I, I support the developers all day. What <laughs> you I'm you just saying why? is I know the public. You only have cities because <laughs> of developers. Exactly.
0: exactly. Hey, yeah. you're preaching to the choir of AJ on that one. <laughs> well, and I'll make no bones about it. Like, yeah. I will just as happily sit down with uh, somebody from Drulo or somebody from New York or whoever who wants to talk about a planning application. It's not just the Vision Soho folks in the not-for-profit realm. It's also, uh, and by the way, thank you for all the work that residents of Affordable Housing does in that yes. sector. Very good. Um, thank you, sir. But uh, really, really happy with Residence Ortona and what it does for our veterans. I just want to take that opportunity to say thank you for that, Roger. Yeah, thank you. I wish sudden, we could. Yeah. I wish we could carbon
1: copy that building and have four of them tomorrow.
0: I really yeah. do. But yeah. yeah. But I, I will meet with, with anybody who wants yeah. to build in our city. Yeah. The, the, the importance is that it's not the majority of planning committee who's going to vote on this tomorrow. Coming with me, I will go get my own information. Uh, now, absolutely. Uh, does everybody have the capacity to have 15 individual meetings with councillors to, to convince them why this project, whether it's the the not-for-profit yeah. sector or the private sector is good? No. Maybe one of the great things that needs to be looked at here is, is there a way to modernize this by saying if a quorum of committee is, is attending an information session uh, with somebody that uh, a city clerk staff member is present uh, so that, they can be assured that council doesn't get into discussions of well how are you going to vote well I'm going to vote yes how are you going to vote well I don't know I was thinking maybe no but what do you think why why are you voting yes those are the discussions that should happen on the council floor so but again we come back to resources and and admin staff and clerk staff Mm -hmm. Um, that would be one way to address these concerns but only if we're going to have a staff person who's available to go on these tours to make sure that they are information tours and not Debates about how we're going to vote what before say, we debate about how we're going to vote. You get
1: rid of all the open meeting concerns if you just invite the media to everything you do. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> solves the problem. You're already government there funded we go.
1: anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, not technically in this job. That's not important. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up uh, the roundtable for the week. Uh, Doug Ford and his government under fire because they have decided to move some service Ontario locations into a Staples or in London, uh, into a Walmart, the South London one. A lot of people upset about this. And, and, and I had Jamie Hildebrand on the podcast this week and he explained his concern about that from a from a legal perspective. And I, I get there are some issues here. To me, the biggest problem isn't so much what the government's done, but their communications or lack thereof surrounding it. Uh, AJ, I saw you tweeting about this. What do you think of where uh, of where this is at right now?
3: This type of privatization has been going on for decades in this province. I mean, you've been able to... it's been
1: going on nationally.
3: Yeah, you've been able to get an outdoors card in a Canadian tire in a Bass Pro shop for over 20 years. And good luck actually getting one at a Service Ontario location. Most of them will look at you with two heads because why is a hunter or an angler going into Service Ontario and not going into the shop? Canada Post is another... There's Canada Post and a Shoppers Drug Mart. I go there all the time on my way home. The issue here is that there actually is a very clear process in regulation, it's very public. If you go to ontario.ca, I think, slash open your own service Ontario, there's a process and an open bid process for private contracts to run Service Ontario. More than half the Service Ontario locations in this province are actually run by private contractors already. The issue here is it was clear that the open bid process was not followed. There was a sole source tender contract that was just awarded to staples themselves where i think honestly if staples had just gone through the open bid process i think they probably would have won they the bid. would have had a good uh, they would application, have had a great sure. business case and they yeah. would have had a great you know business case from also being able to deliver that type of service and so that's really from my perspective the only issue here otherwise like yeah you want to you want to yell about privatization of government service delivery sure but the other thing too is For the most part, actually, Service Ontario is an exceptionally well-run organization in comparison to most other North American one-window services. I don't know if folks have ever experienced a DMV in the U.S., but, you know, I'd much rather take Service Ontario over a DMV any day.
0: Well, and I mean, we've even had, uh, you know, and I don't know quite honestly what the current service model is because so much has gone online, but. um, Well, that's the other thing that was only
3: possible with the private sector. Right.
0: Stepping in. The um, fact that we can now log on and actually do most of it online. But we've had convenience stores that sell bus tickets, right? The private you, business. You, you have bus convenience tickets. stores that sell Me. liquor.
2: Yeah. Uh, beer. Um, yep. They have LCBOs in them, so I I don't have a problem with it. You know, the sole sourcing issue is is something that I think has to be explained. I don't think it's been explained properly. Okay. Uh, but that is something. I mean, if you would have put it out to tender, would other companies or entities been interested? I, I'm sure they would have.
3: I seen. mean, I would have loved to have seen a. Co-Shopper's Drug Mart, Canada Post, Service Ontario, one-stop shop. But, you know, that I, wasn't an option. I think the, 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 the Service bit.
2: Ontario desk right next to Craig Needles as he's doing his show in the uh, in the morning <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, get us oh, some I listeners go. in here, whatever.
1: <laughs> People can come, pick up their concert tickets, they win, renew their health card, everybody wins.
0: There you go. Yeah, Sounds like a great way to support local media. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like it. Uh, here's, here's what I'll say about it is if... Doug Ford just come out and said, look, we're doing this and here's why we're doing it. And we think this is going to make sense. Don't worry. Service Ontario workers not going to lose their jobs. We're just we're, we're doing this because we think it's going to help service hours, whatever it is. I think that for the most part, this would be OK. The lack of information to me is what's caused the problem here and the lack of communication from the province. Roger, do you do you have concerns about this? Do you think it's uh, it's fine
2: if you have a process? Yeah, um, that that. Is listed, um, which as, they do. You know, AJ mentioned, yep. uh, then you should be following it, right? Uh, and um, yeah, I, yep. I have yeah. no no qualms with that. Yeah. That that's the way. It and and to me, I feel as though the
1: reason they're reacting the way that they are is because they got their hands burned on the very hot pot of the green belt, and now they're a little bit nervous about a, a pot heating up once again. Well, that, and they that, also that's got. That's my that's my belief here. They
3: got burned on the the whole um, pharmacist. Yeah, thing when they started offering more services through pharmacists which in my opinion which is a great was change. a great move to actually yeah. relieve pressure on primary uh, care I, I
1: don't think that's bad But either. immediately was
3: all about well what is galen weston going to profit from this and it's like do you realize that you know galen weston does have a significant control of the pharmacy market but there's also a lot of other independent pharmacists that are also getting great work out of this and delivering better service for ontario than our under-resourced primary care system at the
0: moment. So I'm happy. happy that I can go to Coulter's and have Scott Coulter provide me some primary health care if I need it that doesn't require me to book an appointment with my doctor two weeks from now. Or sit in a walk-in uh, for, for minor, four hours, hours for most young for, Canadians. Well, I don't have time to sit in a walk-in for four hours because yeah. I got counsel duties that I got to do 75 a hours a time, week. You're a so. full-time counselor. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and Scott Coulter, good guy. I'm sure he does very well at the pharmacy. They've been running that business for a very long time. Good for them. Scott Coulter, as far as I know, I'm aware, not a billionaire with connections to Doug Ford. So people other than those are benefiting from some of these choices and I would never dispute that. I just think that If you're running around hiding from it and if you come to london this week for your pasta announcement which great good news for the city that was fine but you're not willing to take questions from the reporters presumably because you didn't want to deal with this that it makes it look like you're hiding
3: something again i'm that's the i'm gonna come back to what i've said multiple times on this podcast of i'm calling this government flagpole forward. They just run stuff up yep. the flagpole before they even announce it, see how it blows in the wind, and then they decide whether or not they're going to leave it up. Yeah. And that, unfortunately, has cost them so much as a government in goodwill and being able to get things done for this province. And they've actually done some good things for this province.
0: Yep. But
3: unfortunately, it's been overshadowed by a lot of really rookie mistakes. And that's it's really unfortunate because I also don't think right now any of the other parties are providing exactly a, a good case of why they might be better at doing
0: what they're currently doing. Well, so, I have to agree with you there, other than too. maybe Mike Schreiner and the Greens. And yeah, the two Greens seats, they, go, yeah, going from they two, two seats to go. government <laughs> is uh, is unlikely. But <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I was saying that to uh, a friend. The uh, actually, it was this morning when we were talking about sort of the fortunes of this government, and and he was saying, well, they might they might be doomed in twenty twenty six. I'm like, well, that means somebody has to beat them for them yep. to be doomed. And yep. long time between now and then. Long time between now and then but maybe they will just survive based on opposition incompetence, which to be clear, Kathleen Wynne did that. Uh, A lot of people didn't like Kathleen Wynne in uh, 2014. She won a majority. Why? Because nobody liked the opposition. So the same thing may occur here, again, only the other way. The other variable here, of course, is Ontario traditionally, when we have blue folks running the country, we like to have red folks running the province and vice versa. I'm going to go ahead and guess that we're going to have blue people running the country by the time we go to the poll provincially next. I'm not going out on a limb there, I don't the think. The Toronto Maple Leafs are running for <laughs> federal yeah. government? I'm, I'm <laughs> going gonna, gonna to say that Pierre Polyev is prime minister by the next time we vote provincially. Again, I don't think I'm, I'm going— Unless uh, the
0: narrative changes— Real quick. Yeah. Real quick <laughs> yeah. and, and radically. I would yeah. be shocked if that wasn't the case. I think you're
2: going to need another leader
0: for the Reds before. Whether you yeah, like yeah, the so guy and his yeah. policies or not, I, I think yeah. that unless something changes super fast and super effectively, the writing's on the wall. And the
1: housing thing, that's the Liberals' biggest, weakness right now. And the thing about the housing deal is well,
0: that's hard to change fast. They've been they've been floating caps on international student visas for, what, three months now <laughs> and still haven't taken uh, any that, action. That's a conversation, though, that even predates and, too, and, and And you know the
2: problem there is though it's it's like it's it's been like crack to the various colleges and universities because it's big big dollars. Yeah, well, it's you and I were
3: talking about this a couple weeks ago. It honestly is survival in a lot of cases because you have a real cut that had been implemented by the provincial government, but also the federal government has injected no new money into the research ecosystem Mm -hmm. since they took power. They've announced a lot about how they've transformed our research ecosystem. But again, it's just moving shells around and saying we're we're keeping the same amount of money in the system. And you and so, I have talked about this on the podcast before. Exactly. AJ, that
1: there's a there's a few college institutions in this province. Yes, if You said absolutely. Hey, if, we, if we turn off the uh, foreign student tap, then they're yeah. going to go under pretty quick. Well, and there's also some yeah.
3: colleges though that have partnered with some pretty aggressive for-profit entities in Toronto to essentially run diploma mills. And people just looked that up. The company's called Global University Systems. Have fun going down that rabbit hole.
0: Well, and some of the the stuff that we're seeing from our colleges too, and and I know it's uh, we're, we're running long on this too, but it's it's about also living within your means. Like, yes, the tuition freeze, the lack of investment, that's all had an impact. And and you know, I know students will always say tuition so expensive, but it has been frozen for quite a while. Uh, and compared to what it was when when well, I was student the age, or when you were student age, it's probably not comparable. federal governments moved to zero percent interest yeah. loans. Mm -hmm. Uh, along with
3: the province. There's no interest charged on student loans anymore. So in my mind, why are we still capping tuition in which the actual granting system no longer really has a negative externality
0: to it? But also maybe you sometimes don't have the, you know, multi-million dollar renovation of your space maybe as quickly as you want to move. Um, Maybe part of it is, are these (laughs) post-secondary education institutions also living within their means a little bit? And just saying, well, you know what, instead of a two-year plan, we're gonna transform this over eight years. Uh, We're still going to do it. But we're going to do it at a slower pace and with less funding year over year until it's done uh, rather than, than trying to rush to the finish line. Yep. Yep. It's
1: absolutely. like delaying your kitchen renovation at home. Same sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, we'll
3: wrap Especially it up there. Especially when nothing's wrong with the kitchen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's never, lots delay wrong. It.
1: never delay it. It yeah. makes
2: you mo- money if you sell.
1: So. Uh, yes. I, I, I don't dispute that. I will say there's lots wrong with my kitchen, but I also need to have, It's not important. My, I feel like my wife's going to be grilling me about this podcast. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> wrap up the conversation here. Thank you to Roger and to Sean and to AJ for doing the podcast with us this week back with uh more next week uh, another edition of the friday roundtable so if you can continue to download listen to subscribe to and support the craig needles podcast
0: the craig needles podcast is a presentation of the blackburn media podcast network